Welcome to the Speaker Podcast with your host, Camille Essick. On this podcast, Camille covers topics ranging from entrepreneurship to relationships, to beauty, wellness, and empowerment. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Speaker Podcast. I'm your host, Camille Essick. And on this podcast, I'm bringing back, if you have not heard him before, on Paper Trail. That episode is available on Season 1 of the Speaker Podcast, which is now streaming on iTunes and Spotify. And be sure to shop with me online at www.kamikameek.com. Ladies and gentlemen, I reintroduce to you Tristan Lakefield. Tristan, thank you for coming back. Thanks for having me, Camille. I really appreciate it. No problem. And um, Tristan, if you guys if you guys don't know, Tristan is the brains behind his brand, Layfield Resume Consulting. For those that do not know Tristan, let everyone know about Layfield Resume. Yeah, so Layfield Resume is sort of a full comprehensive career service, right? Uh, well, we offer full comprehensive career services. Um, you know, I help people with their resumes, their LinkedIn profiles, cover letters, um, and even you know, career coaching to really find the things that they want to do. Um, so, you know, I'm really, I really like to work with people who are, you know, sort of uh, entry to mid-level professionals, but I've worked with people who are all over the board. Um, you know, we really try to hone in on what they exactly want to do so then we can develop a plan on how to get them there. Awesome. And building uh, resumes and going to the job force, how important is it for those that may not know, just um, networking and word of mouth through job searches, um, how key can that be when you're looking for a job? Yeah, so networking is actually very essential. So for a lot of people don't realize that only about 20% of jobs are filled through online postings. The other 80% are filled through internal hires, networking, and referrals. Um, so it's really imperative that when you are building some type of job search strategy or some type of job search plan, that the majority of it focuses on leveraging your network or building a network that you can leverage. So that way you can uh, you know, have more insight into the, the positions that are going to be open, but also try to get referrals because referrals are something that makes you quite a bit more likely to actually be talked to, um, you know, whether that be just a phone screening or actually brought in for an interview. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, networking and having those, those professional relationships are very key in today's job search. It's actually the most effective way to find a job nowadays. Okay. And also with referrals, um, also in that term, as far as just being referred, it makes you kind of quote unquote more credible as far as with your resume, because someone is putting their name and reputation on the line to vouch for you. Correct. Yep, that's the whole point of the uh, employee referral programs that most companies have, right? They they assume that if you're already an employee here and you're going to vouch for someone, then that automatically gives that person a little more clout in the job search process, right? You more than likely you're not going to put your your neck on the line for somebody who you don't think will come in and actually do the job. But they also think that you know if you're going to recommend your friends or your, or whoever you recommend, that they're more than likely going to be a good culture fit for the company too. So, yeah, all of that's very true to me. Awesome. And once you've obtained the job and you start to begin to uh, build a rapport of relationships with your coworkers, employees, uh, up and down um, the chain as far as with leadership, even horizontally, um, can it also be dangerous when building those relationships to a degree? I understand we have personal or professional relationships, but what about when it becomes a little more personal 
especially when tying into um, recommendations for promotion and perks and things like that, can that also be a dangerous area? Oh, yeah. It can definitely be a dangerous area. So um, many companies already have policies on, um, you know, relationships in the workplace. There are some places that just simply do not allow it. Um, And then there's some places that do with some certain stipulations or restrictions around it, right? So um, most of those typically are geared towards, you know, your significant other can't be your direct manager, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And things of that that nature. Um, But it can also just get more dangerous because, you know, bringing relationships into the workplace um, can often sometimes mean you're bringing your attention, you're bringing your stress, you're bringing everything from your relationship into the workplace, no matter how much you try to hide it or not, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes, depending depending on the relationship and depending on the people, um, you know, that can be a detriment to your, your professional brand, your professional career. Um, so, you, you know, you want to be very mindful of how you do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've seen, I've seen it played out well with quite a few people, but I've also seen it turn out very ugly for, <laughs> for quite a few others, yeah. uh, right? So you got to be mindful of that. You know, if you are working in HR and your significant, significant other is doing data management, okay, you guys probably aren't going to be on top of each other all the time. You guys probably aren't going to be talking all the way, all, all the time throughout the day. That may work out a little bit better for you guys, but if you guys are really in close proximity, you also need to take into account the fact that you are probably around this person all the time right. already, right? And then you bring them to work as well, and you're around them all the time mm-hmm. again. Um, so things like that can be a little bit stressful in relationships, but we always need to be mindful of sort of uh, bringing those personal relationships into the workplace because they can cause a little bit of strife for some of us. Right. I guess for me, um, and I've seen it all the time, and maybe maybe you have seen it as well, but it can be sticky because, you know, you have uh, this culture of where the office after work, they may go out and have a drink or they do an activity together. Um, for myself, I prefer, like, work is work. You know, I see you all day, and when I leave, you know, I want to go home and just have my own life, do my own thing. But then sometimes you have this pressure of, oh, you're not a team player or, you know, you know what I'm saying? Because it's kind of shunned upon like, you, oh, you never go out with us. But where, how do you do that balance of maintaining your space when you are more of an individual versus, you know, going out with the group after work and doing other activities uh, for those personalities like myself? I mean, um I feel like if I'm giving you my time, I'm on the clock and I'm doing what I have to do. Now, don't get me wrong. I like doing uh, the community service, you know, with my group or whatever. But when it begins to infringe on your personal time and then when it's time for promotion, reviews, evaluations, then you get that check on the team player attitude because it's kind of like where where are the lines drawn between? Is this actually a work event or are we just hanging out? Yeah. Um, that, that does become a sticky situation as well. Um, you know, your, your time off the clock is your time off the clock, no matter what the case is. Um, you know, if your boss is bringing you not attending things off of the clock, um, onto your performance reviews, I would start to question some of those things, unless it was explicitly called out in the job description and, and you were aware that that is something that is expected inside of your role. Cause there are certain things, right? right. Um, sales that when you're in sales, Typically, you have a lot of dinners and things that you have to go to when right. you're, you know, trying to smooch clients. Um, but 
you know, in some some instances, you just don't want to do any of those things. And that's completely fine. What I like to tell people is find the things that are interesting to you. So um, like for me, I'm not big on going to happy hours and drinking around right. my um, my coworkers. That's just not a thing that I, I really right. like to do. Right. Um, but in uh, the office that I most recently worked in, um, they had a ton of different things that were going on. There were there was people who were doing community service. Um, if I wanted to go and be active inside of that, um, you know, they created a, there's a dodgeball league, mm-hmm. or not a dodgeball, excuse me, a kickball league um, in the area. And they created a kickball team with people across, uh, across the organization. And I was like, oh, you know, I like to do athletic things. That's right. something I can go do with my coworkers. So I signed up for that, right? So what I would say is find the things that your company does that align with the things you'd like to do and mm-hmm. you wouldn't mind doing around your coworkers and do those um, unless those things are actually required right sometimes you know those after hour work events are required and and you need to make sure you show up for those but the ones that are not required i I don't think you should feel pressure to go to them and i don't think that that should show up on your performance review and if they do i think you need to have a very frank and candid conversation with your boss on what the expectations are around that so you guys can both align on on that and make sure that you understand what the expectations are so you can either meet them or you can challenge them right that's a very good point. I think a lot of people experience that as far as within the company culture, there's always like a subculture. And even though it's stated, oh, well, you don't have to attend, but it's kind of implied, oh, but you should, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I totally get it. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of people don't understand. We have lives outside outside of here, right? Exactly. You know, like even me, for example, I have a full-time job, but I run a whole business outside of here. I could... You know, most of most of the time, I'm signing off from my my daytime job at four thirty five o'clock, and I have my first client call for my business at five fifteen. Yes. Right? I can't go to I can't go to happy hour with you guys. Sorry, right. <laughs> I got to make some more money. I got to I got to meet my client. Right. Um, you know, so uh, you know, if, if that is the case, you do run into that, then I would start to question whether um, that job is necessarily a fit for you, simply due to the company culture, and that is something we need to take into account when we are. Um, vetting out jobs and really trying to decide where we're going to land. Exactly. And even in when you were mentioning about um, someone having a significant other, what if they're not married? And, you know, a lot of times the people we work with, we're around them more than we are our own families. So mm-hmm. you begin to um, connect with people. You get to know them on a more personal level. And yep. then it's sometimes um, you even see people, quote, unquote, hooking up or dating and then um, the attempt as far as trying to keep it under wraps. But just human nature, you know, we are creatures of habit. And a lot of us, if not all of us, we have a sense of intuition. And you can tell when people are involved. Sometimes you can't. But a lot of times you can So can you kind of unpack more how that can um, impact the morale and just the whole atmosphere of the workplace? Well, yeah. And, you know, when your relationship's going good, you feel good at work most of the time, right? And yeah. and, and that goes tenfold if your your significant other actually works at the same place as you. Now, when your relationship is terrible, well, you're going to bring those tensions and those stresses to work, especially if you have to work closely with that person. Um, you know, I think it's very it's very imperative that if we're going to date somebody in the workplace, that we need to sit down and have a conversation with them, right? Um, the the idea of dating someone in the workplace is shouldn't be as taboo as sometimes it is. Like you said, we spend so much time at work. It's inevitable, right? right it's hard it to meet people after college yes. or, or whatever we do directly after high school. It's hard to start meeting people once you become an adult and you spend 
so much time at work that more than likely that's where a lot of people do meet their significant others. So it's, it, it, you know, it's, it's very common, but what I say is sit down and have a conversation around boundaries. Um, you need to get very detailed on where your boundaries lie in relation to work. What can and can you guys not talk about when it comes to the office? What do you guys not tolerate them telling other people at work? Right, um, Making sure you're having those really hard conversations to unpack what's important to you so you're actually able to be seen and recognized in whatever relationship you're having and what are some of the things you don't want people to know or how will you guys handle it if you do have conflict and you guys are put on a project together. Right, right? Making sure that you guys have those conversations up front so when you get to those points, you know, okay, you know, I already talked to so-and-so and we decided that we're not talking about X, Y, and Z at work. That's just not what we're going to talk about. We're here to work. Okay, cool. Great. Yeah. Right. So yeah. have those conversations direct, as direct as possible and, and, and really flesh that out. And I think it'll help avoid some of it. But at the end of the day, it's inevitable. Mm-hmm. You know, tensions rise, emotions happen. Uh, I think it's our job to be emotionally intelligent enough to, you know, read the feelings and emotions of our partner, but also the feelings and emotions of ourselves. And then when we're feeling those moments, say, okay, I need to take a step away. Maybe it's going to the bathroom. Maybe it's, you know, if you guys have prayer rooms, meditation rooms, any of those type of things in your office, maybe it's taking a step back, going into those, getting yourself collected and then moving on with the day to do what you need to do. Right. But you need to be very cognizant of that and how that affects team dynamics and how that affects, you know, even the organization, if you're bickering with with a significant other, you're wasting time, you're wasting money, and it's something that both of you guys could end up fired over. True, very true. And I think a lot, a lot of times with those relationships, it's not expected because mm-hmm. you may um, have a rapport, mm-hmm. you know, with this person, and they can catch you off guard, and then you can be in a situation. In an ideal world, um, it is good to have those conversations, but let's just be real. A lot of people don't. They're yeah. just in the moment, in their feelings, mm-hmm. and things happen. And by the time they get to the space of talking about it, it's usually too late or they're so far in so deep, mm-hmm. you know, as as far as uh, where they are with the situation, that yep. it can be a very sticky situation. Yeah, I completely agree. And that's why I say it has to happen up front beforehand, right? Because right? if you try to wait till you hit the moments, you're never going to get anywhere, right? You're already in the emotions, tensions are high. You're never going to get to a point. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree. A lot of people don't have the conversations. It happens. If that does happen, then what I think you need to do is you need to – you guys both need to take a step back and have a conversation after that and say, okay. So, number one, how are we going to do damage control tomorrow at work, right, um, making sure we clean up the mess that we created? And number two, what does our future look like at work, mm-hmm. right? Whether that be um, maybe you need to move to another department. We work, to, we work together too often. Maybe that's the case. If you guys want to, if the relationship's that important to you, then maybe it's you need to transfer over to some, something else. Maybe it's you need to find another company. One of you need to find another company to work for. Um, you know, if you're going to try and maintain that relationship and it's already causing strife in the workplace, you have to find the resolution, whatever that is for you. And, and you know, most times it's going to be giving you guys space away from each other. Right. Well, what about a situation, let's say, and you see it all the time. I don't care if it's, um, professional or military or just small business a lot of times you'll see someone is in a higher position like management or CEO the owner and the other person may be just a mid-level employee and it kind of almost gets into um, 
quid pro quo situation or yeah. borderline blackmail. Like it's it's yeah. kind of like initially it started out as one thing, but then when this one person is kind of holding the purse strings, you know, in the situation to the point where it can lead to termination. Yeah. Just because what's going on personally has gotten so um, out of the lines. Yeah. So, first, we should really try to avoid getting in relationships with our direct superiors or right. our direct subordinates, right? Mm-hmm. That should almost never happen. And almost every major company has some type of policy in their handbook that forbids that, number one. So, um, be very aware of what your company policies are. Now, sometimes with the smaller businesses, right, we don't necessarily have those things in place. Um, And they do happen. Um, You know, one of the things I'd say is if you are in a company and that happens, no matter if you are the manager or you're the mid-level employee, um, if someone's blackmailing you over something, um, really at that point in time, the only thing, the only real option you have is to go to HR with the fact that this is happening. That's really the only option if you want to get out of the situation. Now, the situation doesn't mean, getting out of the situation doesn't mean you're going to go unscathed. You might get some bruises inside of that too. Things may come out, right? Um, But at the end of the day, this is a situation that you're in and if somebody's blackmailing you at work, that's a harassment suit waiting to happen. Um, And, you know, you need to go to HR and if they don't handle it appropriately, then maybe it is you need to seek legal action around that. Yeah, and I've I've seen even cases like where, the situation is quote unquote for this person's benefit is good, but um, it appears like nothing is going on. But then all of a sudden, it's creating strife within the other employees because it's feel like, oh, this person's getting preferential treatment because they're sleeping with so and so or they're dating, you know, the boss or whatever. So, can you kind of touch on that some? How that can cause a, um, just contention or strife within the um, office space? Yeah, so it's really difficult, right? Um, it, it all depends on, it's very situational, I, I definitely think. But once again, it all goes back to, you know, subordinates and and, and their managers should not be in relationships oh, simply, because, <laughs> simply because of that, right? Um, if it is something that happens and you're one of those other employees, I think it's worth having a conversation, maybe in your one-on-one to see how they react to you saying, this is how I feel about this. This is what I see in relation to this. Um, if the, the manager does not react or respond well to that, then once again, it's it's another HR situation. Um, and if HR does nothing for that because the person's too high up, then now it's time to consider um, your future at this company. Do you still want to be here? Do you still want to just be here and be on another team mm-hmm. that doesn't have that type of dynamic? Um, but unfortunately, you as an employee who recognizes favoritism, most of the time, you're not going to be able to do anything about that situation yourself. It's just simply the fact, right? These people are in a relationship. They have favoritism going on, whatever whatever that looks like. Um, you know, you're not going to change it on your own. It's it, it, just simply what it is. So you either need to get HR involved so they understand that, and more than likely that means that that manager will end up um, either, you know, um, They'll end up either on some type of performance improvement plan, or they might even be let go altogether. Yeah. Um, but you also have to understand that's going to cause a lot of a lot of chaos and tension, even beyond um, whatever resolution is put forth. So um, you know, it's it's a very sticky situation. And I don't think there's any one answer. Um, 
you know, it's not a situation where you can be like, hey, just work harder, because no, at the end of the day, it's favoritism. Yeah. Um, you know, so you, you really have to figure out what what is in your ability to change or what are the steps that you can take to um, you know, be the catalyst for some change around that. And the, the only way to do that is to get your human resources uh, department involved and have a conversation around that or have the conversation with yourself and be real on whether you still want to be there and in that environment. Yeah, we see that even now. I mean, if you look in the media, like with uh, Kevin Spacey, Harvey Weinstein, even mm-hmm. with, you know, in our government, where senators and even the president, people getting in trouble you know, for their hands literally being caught in the cookie jar in these situations. And it's almost like um, people in power, you know, they kind of, I won't say cover for each other, but it's kind of like birds of a feather. You know, when you start looking at certain patterns of behavior and certain individuals and people with similar um, mentalities or tendencies tend to flock together. So, Yeah, I completely agree. Um, you know, this is this is not something that's new right this is something that's been going on for ages um and it's really unfortunate it's just people who are in positions of power abusing their position of power um and and that's been something that's gone on for for you know eons so at this point um you know you got to figure out what the best situation is for you um no matter if you are the person that's in it with them or if you are the person that's around that situation. Um, you got to figure out what that, that best situation looks like for you and what the steps forward are for you, whether that be removing yourself, whether that be getting someone else involved, um, you know, whether that be filing a lawsuit, whatever it is that's necessary for you to get what you need. Um, but, you know, you just want to make sure that you are very, just very mindful of what you're doing. Um, you know, just because you're taking the just route and actually, you know, being a whistleblower for this doesn't mean it's all going to be positive stuff that comes out of it for you, right? Um, so you got to be very real with yourself um, and have a good understanding of what you can, what you can take, what you can't take, what steps you can take, what steps you can't take, um, and, and just really have a conversation around that. Um, you know, whether that be with HR, whether that be just having a conversation with your closest friends to figure it out. Um, but you know, holding it in is not 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 going to do very much for you, right? You got to talk about it um, and really, really get it figured out. I know that's easier said than done, True. especially in a lot of the cases that you talked about, right? We're talking about people who are not just abusing their power for favoritism, but they were abusing their power to abuse people, yeah. um, which is a completely different and separate situation than just abusing your power and, and doing favoritism. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so so if you're in a, in that type of position, there's tons of different um, there's tons of different places for you to reach out to to really um, have those conversations and make sure that you're taking the routes that are best for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really necessary, especially if you're in some type of sexual harassment, sexual abuse type of um, situation as well. Those need to be handled very delicately, um, and you you know you need to be able to understand all the options that you have on the table and all the repercussions of each of those options so you can stand firm and solid in the decision that you make. Very true. I totally agree with that. But also even in the culture, we live in a culture now of like terms like this is my work wife or work husband. Mm-hmm. And I'm just kind of like, really? Like, are we really at that point within the culture that that's like a thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
you know, I, so it's, it sort of plays off the whole idea that we talked about a little bit earlier, right? You spend so much time here that sometimes you are spending more time with this woman than you are your wife or this man than you are your husband. Right? Um, so I, I get the entire premise. Um, I don't, personally use it because once again you know you know it starts blurring lines um but i think it's very uh it just once again it all depends on the type of person you are and the type of person that you're doing that with right if you guys have a good understanding of each other then fine that's great um but i'm the type of person that likes to keep things as direct and clear-cut as possible so i think that's something that blurs lines um for me right you know i I can't tell anyone else exactly no, I totally understand what you're saying. And um, I do thank you for this time. You've given some very insightful points um, as far as uh, work and relationships. For those um, just tuning in, we are chatting with Tristan Layfield. So, Tristan, for those that would like to connect with you on social media, let them know where they can do so. Yeah, so you can pretty much find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Layfield Resume. Um, so that's L A Y F is in Frank I E L D R E S U M E. Um, you can also go to my website if you have any interest in the services that I offer. You want to book a free thirty-minute consultation? You can go to my website, which is www.layfieldresume.com. So spelled the exact same way, um, and you can book a consultation. You can book services, or you can just sort of check me out and see some of the things that I've been featured in or or what's going on there. All right. Thank you. And I hope everyone got something from this episode of this episode of the speaker uh, speaker podcast. And until next time, be blessed. I hope everyone enjoyed this episode of the speak her podcast with your host, Camille Essek. You can reach Camille via email at kimikimiglasses at gmail.com and shop online at www.kimikimink.com. Catch new episodes of the Speak Her Podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, iTunes, and YouTube. Follow Camille on Instagram at Kimikimink. Until next time, be blessed.